Welcome to Sacred Realms. It's a great day in Hyrule, y'all. Welcome to Sacred Realms, a Zelda retrospective podcast. I'm your host, Lyndon Willoughby, joined... What are you showing me? Is that a picture of... Oh, that's our cat being cute. This is a family cat. She's doing snugs and it's on video. And she's an old lady and she's being very sweet. You cat people out there, you know, you get it. I'm sorry, I totally interrupted your intro spiel. No, nah, that's okay. The cat was super cute, so it's like totally fine. Totally worth it. It's 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 really okay. Um, anywho, just... Twilight Princess Link would agree. He loves the kitties. He does love he does love the kitties. Uh, Skyward Sword Link um, has a contentious relationship with Skyloft kitties because on the one only hand, at night. Well, yeah, but that's half the time that they're alive. Well, I mean, sure, but it's not half the time we interact with them. Yeah, I don't know. And, and once you cure Batreu of his demonism, then they become sweet all the time. They do become sweet all the time. And they have they have helicopter ears, which I find hilarious. They do have. I, well, I mean, they're just they're uh, they're little gremlins is basically what they are. They're oh, kitty they gremlins. are gremlins. They're literally gremlins. Yeah. Oh, except they do it at night, not when they get wet. No, with gremlins, it's if you feed them. After. I thought I thought it was if they got. I've actually never seen the movie Gremlins. Okay, yeah, it's if you feed them. Okay, that's fair. After midnight or whatever. Oh, then, well, okay. So clearly, somebody fed the Skyloft kitties, and we just we didn't see it. But <sighs> yeah. that's just rude. Don't yeah. leave the kibbles out for the Skyloft kitties. Don't do it, Matt. Uh, you, as always, are my are my co-host, <laughs> and 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 here we are for what is. Uh, actually, the halfway point of this season of Skyward Sword. Oh, are we seriously already at the halfway point? We are halfway through. Yep. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, go us. Woo! Yay. Uh, so, um, which is insane to me because, I mean, this is, like, like, seriously, these seasons always seem so immense when we're about to start. And then about this point, you know, it just feels like it's going by like it, it's nothing at all. And and the flow of time is insane to me. You know? Well, also, you have new baby who, you know, whenever you have new baby, time flows differently anyway. M- my work life balance is non-existent. My work life is insane. So that makes time go absolutely crazy fast. So it, it doesn't feel like we record these once a week. I feel like we record these like every other day. And then it's just like, man, I can't believe we're already halfway through. Yeah, I know. Right. So, yeah, there's a lot going on. and. But you know what? This is what I look forward to every week. Oh. Sitting down and just recording and talking about some Zelda, smoking a stogie, drinking some whiskey, or you're drinking tequila today. Like, yeah. Is it possible that your general good mood has less to do with the whiskey and more to do with the fact that there's actually fun shit happening in this oh no that's absolutely accurate i mean i actually i haven't even had i've had like one glass of whiskey so far so it's definitely not the whiskey it's more the uh this is one of the best sections of this game well especially after last week where like i thought it was just kind of a drag you and i were trying really hard to like to find the silver lining there and i think we found it but honestly uh Having played this week's section of the game, it, it really just throws into very sharp relief. <laughs> For all sure. The, yeah. No, all, the, all the things that were not awesome about the, the prior Sky, Skyward Sword is, as we said last week, the next gen of Zelda. 
high highs, very low lows. Yeah. So, and last week was was a pretty low low. Yeah. We will of course get into all of that later. In the meantime, Matt, uh how you doing? Oh, I'm fantastic. Like I said, I'm happy to be here. Happy to be here on a Thursday uh night. It is gorgeous out here in Texas for once. Um we're recording outside for the third or fourth time. Um I love this season of the year. We're smoking stogies, drinking whiskey, tequila, talking about Zelda. There's nothing better in the world. And uh, just having a good time, man. Yep. And we just played a very phenomenal section of game. Yeah, it was super, super fun. Uh, just, uh, you know, all cards on the table. We were actually supposed to be joined tonight by Kylie Parker, our good friend, uh, you know, one of the best friends of the show, I would say. And unfortunately, we love her. Unfortunately, because Kylie is amazing and uber successful in her field, she was called away to deal with some work stuff that she had to take care of. So she's not joining us for this episode. Um, she is now joining us for the Fire Sanctuary episode later in the season. So you're, you're, you're still going to get your next episode. Uh, no, Sandship is between now and then. No, Sandship is after the Fire Sanctuary. Fire Sanctuary is the last dungeon before Skykeep. I mean, go check it out. But no, I, you're abs- you're right. Actually, that's very odd. It's odd that they reversed the or they they mixed up the the order, right? Because so we went from Skyview Temple to Elden Volcano, the Earth Temple. Or sorry, we went from Skyview Temple to Elden Volcano to Lanayru Desert. But now we're going Farron Woods to Desert to Volcano. So they they like. They did a little switcheroo on us. I think the reason they do that is because of the the bosses that are in the. So, like, obviously, the final boss of the Fire Sanctuary is another Gear Him fight. It's the last one before. Oh, yes. Fantastic fight. And phenomenal fight. Yeah, it's good. But also, the boss fight of the Sandship is not a Gear Him fight. And I feel like maybe they wanted to keep that last main Gear Him fight before the end of the game. That's fair. The, you know? Yeah, like, no, no, totally fair. Totally and, fair, totally and, fair. I, and I would not change the boss fight of the Sandship for anything in this No, world, that, so. that boss fight is super fun. Yeah. So, anywho, that's all stuff we're going to get to later. later. But anyway, uh, yeah, that just to, all that is to say, y'all will be getting your once or more per season dose of Kylie Parker before this is all said and done. And we are just as excited about it as you are because she's the best. She is, although you also get a good dose of Max Nichols next week, which is going to be a lot of fun for Mr. everybody. Mr. Max Nichols, who discovered something deep within himself about the sand ship and wanted to share it with you all. So he'll be <laughs> he'll be on the podcast to do that next week. So it's going to be a good time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the meantime, though, let's talk about this week. Ancient Cistern, Floria Lake, uh, Farron Woods, our first visit to the Silent Realm. All fun things. Okay, yeah, we we I'm going to get into the housekeeping real quick. I think Matt's trying to rush me along, and I can't blame him because I watched this plot recap get typed out, <sighs> and Ooh, yeah. it took like it took the course of several hours <laughs> for him to bang this out. I mean, there's a lot here, and so it's one thousand six hundred and fifty words. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, we want to give that all of the space that it needs to be awesome. So let's go ahead and get some housekeeping out of the way and then get right into that. If you didn't know, Sacred Realms is a weekly reexamination of The Legend of Zelda one little slice at a time. Sacred Realms drops every Wednesday and is available on all major podcast networks. Every week we play a new section of a Zelda game and then we sit down here to talk and to drop our hot takes. If that sounds fun to you, please head over to Apple Podcasts, hit that subscribe button, and be sure to leave us a review. Five-star reviews are greatly appreciated, and they have a chance to get a shout-out here on the show. 
If you want more Sacred Realms in your life, head over to patreon.com slash sacredrealmspod, get access to bonus episodes right in listener mail, vote on what game we play next, and much more. I think that's all we got for housekeeping. All right. Oh. Uh, obviously, uh, by the time you're listening to this episode, we will have completed our Skyward Sword Joy-Con giveaway. Sorry for the flub on dates. And the I was about to say, unlike what we said last week where we said the same thing, but we were totally wrong. Yeah, sorry about that. Regardless, the, uh, the giveaway does end on the two-week timeline that we committed to originally. So, um, yeah, by this point, I, and actually probably I'll editing Mike in the winner here, and we'll just do it that way, but yeah. Here's the space for where I announce who won the giveaway. Hey, listen. All right, guys, here we go. The winner for the Skyward Sword Joy-Con giveaway is, drumroll, Genevieve Swords. That is an excellent, excellent name, by the way. Um, Thank you very much to everyone who participated in this giveaway. We will do another one in the future. Not sure what it'll be for, but uh, this will not be the last, so... Uh, look forward to that. But yeah, Genevieve, we will hit you up separately and uh, confirm shipping information and all of that. Congratulations to you and on with the show. And there was much rejoicing. And we're back. Congratulations to whoever you are that won those. They're really cool. <laughs> the person we don't know yet. <laughs> yeah. All right. Very good stuff. Yeah. Giveaway is over. Uh, the other thing is that honestly, now that we're about halfway through this season, we need to start considering when we're going to put up the Patreon poll for the game we're playing next. Probably going to wait another episode or two before we do that, but I want to give it its usual three to four weeks of space for people to vote on. So look forward to that. It's going to be a top down. Smart money's on Link to the Past, but who knows what might happen. If you're a betting man, you would put it on Link to the Past, but if you're a risk taker, maybe Minish Cap? You know, I've played Link to the Past within the last year and a half. I have not. And I, I'm more than happy to play it again, but I really would. I, I'm, I'm so torn because I really, really, really want to play Minish Cap. But I also currently have no way to play it. So as we've mentioned many yeah, times, accurate. that would be a difficult situation. But you know what? If that's what you guys want to see, then we would we'll find figure it out, make it happen. Regardless, we'll we'll get that out of the way sooner rather than later. Not this week, though. This week, we have another installment of the Sacred Realms Rundown, as per usual. Part one of the Sacred Realms Rundown is, of course, the plot recap as read by Matt, one of six parts. One of six parts. Yes. Yes. Today, we are covering Skyward Sword Chapter 6, which includes a return to Faron Woods, Lake Floria, the first Silent Realm, and, of course, the Ancient Cistern, what some consider to be the crown jewel of dungeon design in this game. Part one, as always, is the plot recap, as read by Matt. Let's let him get to it. Following the message that the goddess left for us within Fee, we take our new melody and head down to the familiar landscape of Farron Woods. Following Fee's dousing ability, we head to the giant tree in front of the viewing platform, strum the goddess's harp in the midst of the blessed butterflies. From the ground appears a bright, translucent symbol that Fee advises us to thrust the goddess sword into. Once we do, we are taken on a wild, out-of-body experience into what Fee describes as the Silent Realm. Here we must test the might of our spirit alone, without the use of any weapon or item. 
We must navigate this realm, and while avoiding the dangerous guardians of the area, we must find and collect 15 objects known as the Tears of Faror to enhance our spirit and thus pass this trial. We traverse the Silent Realm, avoiding the Guardians, the Seekers, the Waking Pools, and collecting dust shard Dusk Shards while we seek out and collect the Tears of Faror. The terrain mirrors the Farron Woods that we know, but the obstacles that block the way require a different kind of problem-solving than those of the physical world. Without our tools and sword to assist, we must rely solely on our courage and wits to pass this test. Ooh, courage, because it's like the silent realm of Faror. And it's it's like, the, yeah, the yeah, goddess yeah. of courage. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> After a grueling amount of time, we collect the final tier and make our way back to the entrance of the trial. There we are granted with a gift from the goddess, a scale from the fabled water dragon, guardian of the waters and forests of the service world and faithful servant of the goddess. Upon returning to the physical world, we turn to see the Kikwi Elder awaiting us. He immediately notices the necklace containing the water dragon scale and encourages us to use it to explore the underwater section of the woods that we have yet to see. Following this advice, we head to the base of the great tree and dive beneath its roots. The great tree is actually hollow on the inside, and we follow the route available to climb all the way to the top to see what lies around the woods. There we meet an ancient Kikwi who tells us that the way to reach the waterfall beyond is locked behind a door containing an ancient symbol. But to open the door and reach the, the realm of the water dragon, we must use the power of the goddess's sword and complete the symbol engraved there. After finding the template of the completed symbol, we head to the stone gate and open it with the goddess's sword. It leads to a diving platform that goes straight into the basin where all of the waterfalls converge. And of course, we jump straight off and into the water below. Following the current of the lake, we come to a network of caverns inhabited by sentient squid-like creatures who flee at the sight of us and apparently hate humans. Of course, being the nosy person that we are, we follow the squid thing through the caves. After a period of time, it becomes annoyed and threatens to tell Her Excellence the Water Dragon about our incursion so that she can eat us. Since we are actually very intent on meeting the Water Dragon so that we can get a clue to the whereabouts of the flame that we seek, this only encourages us to follow. As we progress through the caves, we have to show off our new swimming moves, which catches the attention of our new friend. Once he realizes that we have the scale of the water dragon and are therefore the goddess's chosen hero, he volunteers to show us to the water dragon's lair. However, there is a catch. A weirdo, as he describes it, showed up with a gang of monsters and went right after the water dragon. While the dragon fought ferociously, she was wounded in the fighting and needs more sacred water to help her recover from her wounds. So off we go to meet the wounded dragon and see how we can help. Once we reach her chamber, we find a small serpentine creature sitting in what looks like a cooking pot. She claims to be the wounded water dragon and tasks us to find more sacred, sacred water to fill her bowl so that she can recover from her wounds. Since nothing in our lives is ever easy, we follow Fee's sensors towards the nearest source of sacred water. This source ends up being the Sky Spring, which was the first place that we sought out Zelda. After traversing the Skyview Temple once more, for it was, of course, filled with a fresh set of bad guys, we come to the sky, sky Spring and fill an empty bottle with the medicinal water. We take the nearest bird statue and head on back to the Water Dragon so that we can continue our search for the Sacred Flame. True to her word, once we heal her fully, the Water Dragon, now fully sized and appropriately fearsome, takes us to the entrance of the ancient cistern, where lies the first of the three Sacred Flames. As we enter the temple beyond the waterfall, the sheer magnificence of the place is palpable.
towering waterfalls, gorgeous plant life, terrifying yet beautiful enemies, and in the center, a titanic statue of a meditating monk. Shortly after entering the temple, we find our way into the statue of the meditating monk, and following the pattern of the previous temples have showed us, we follow the path to find a terrifying enemy enemy for us to vanquish. This four-armed undead knight, which is a much stronger variant of the undead minions we have fought previously, proves to be quite the challenge. But ultimately, we defeat the foe and are granted with a new tool to help us navigate the challenges of this dungeon. The whip allows us to pull levers from a distance, trigger new switches, grab keys from Bokoblin's belt, and otherwise influence the world around us in new ways. This magical item proves to be exactly what we need to progress through this ancient temple. As we progress, we feel that there is something sinister hidden beneath the surface, which attempts to conceal the thing that we need to progress to the sacred flame. There is an evil aura underneath all of this golden magnificence, emanating the further we go deeper into the temple. So, of course, we feel the need to follow it even deeper. Sure enough, as we reach the bowels of the temple, we find a dark and corrupted pit of evil and despair. This is a place of bones, death, decay, and pure evil. Undead bokoblins rise from the ground beneath our feet at every turn. The pure water from the temple above is a sludgy purple that burns upon contact, and the entire place is bathed in an eerie purple light. But true to our gut, this place contains what we need. The golden statue that serves as the key to the innermost chamber of this temple lies at the center of a pit of bones, directly beneath the monk's statue. We have to overcome multiple puzzles and figure out how to raise and lower the statue in order to reach this boss key chest. But after battling undead enemies, traversing poisonous pits, and climbing a very long rope many times, we reach the chest at last. As soon as we claim the statue, however, the monk's statue above us begins to rapidly descend as the ground around us erupts with dozens of zombies. As we narrowly escape the danger, we head back up to the golden and peaceful temple above to raise the monk's statue and head to the sanctuary. There we find none other than our foe Girahim, who is once again in no mood to trouble himself with us and instead uses his dark magic to animate the metallic automaton in the center of the room. This metal monstrosity is far too strong to take on with Braun alone, so we use our speed, our courage, and our cunning to force the mechanical villain into getting himself stuck in rather unfortunate positions. Then taking advantage of his immobility, we use our new whip to rip apart his joints in a way that would make the Doomslayer proud. After a fair amount of whacking, the metal man decides to get on his feet and pursue us with some truly gigantic and terrifying swords. In addition to the six cleavers that he swings around with enough force to destroy stone pillars, he routinely summons some more zombies to make the fight more difficult. But alas, his weak joints prove no match for our whip, and our ridiculously strong muscles are more than able to use the giant cleavers as well. We eventually fell the cursed mechanical monster with his own blade and claim victory. We finally move into the final chamber of this temple, where lies another sigil of the goddess. Striking it with a skyward strike, a brilliant brazier containing a bright green flame descends from above. Fee leaves the sword of her own will and floats in front of this brilliant blaze, saying nothing. Out of nowhere, the flames engulf her and she flies around the room out of control. She lands where she started and looks up, telling us to raise the sword. She then shoots the green fire into the sword, imbuing it with the mystical power. As we hold the flaming blade, it suddenly grows in our hand. It becomes half again as long and far more keen in the edge. Fee tells us that with the power of the Flame of Feror, the goddess's sword has now gained the ability to deal double the normal amount of damage. 
With the sword improved, we now head off to the sky to learn our next melody on the Isle of Songs, and in so doing, learn the next clue on our quest to strengthen our spirit, our sword, and to find Zelda. This has been the plot recap as read by Matt. Let's get into part two, which is our takes and how we generally feel about this section of the game. I'm going to go first because Matt needs a break. That was really well read, Matt. So generally in part two, our takes, it's a little tough to disconnect overall thoughts and feelings about a section of a game from the dungeon. Like you might notice that frequently we kind of wrap up some initial impressions of the dungeon in this section and that's stuff that we would rather save for the dungeon map the nice thing about this section of the game is that it has several very distinctly different parts <laughs> from one another and the dungeon is not even like necessarily the bulk of it i mean like if you if you had to uh, just off the cuff matt do you think that you spend the majority of the time in this section of the game in the dungeon or do you think that it amounts to more like a third oh no i would i would definitely say that of the roughly i would say i spent roughly two and a half hours on this section of game i think um all most of that i would say a solid hour 45 of that was not even in this dungeon yeah so and it's interesting because i've noticed that there are certain strong feelings that a lot of people have around stuff that starts to happen in this section of the game. And I am personally of the opinion that basically everything that we do this week is fun for the most part with one glaring exception. And I don't think it's the one that most people are expecting it to be. Um, I'm just going to get it out of the way. I do not hate the silent realm. No, not at all. I actually kind of enjoy the Silent Realm, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, I, I texted you that, actually, earlier this week while we were playing through it. I was like, Lyndon, is it weird that I actually kind of like the Silent Realm? No, I, I like the Silent Realm, too. I really do. And it's, you know, I understand the frustration because it's kind of like an insta-fail sort of deal. Yeah. And so if it's not your if it's not your thing then you can very quickly end up doing it for hours, you know, like it just failing over and over and over. Um, and I have gotten stuck in the silent realms before. I mean, this is the third time I played this game. So, uh, I cleared this one pretty quickly, but, uh, I don't know that I've ever necessarily had a huge issue with the Faron Woods Silent Realm, but later ones, I think specifically the um, the Elden Volcano, the Elden one Volcano is very one. difficult. Yeah, the Elden Volcano one, I think I, I've had to redo several times before, which sucks. But the thing that I like about it, though, is that one, the soundtrack is great. Two, the vibe and the mood is cool. It's frantic. It is uh, there's a tension that kind of lingers throughout the entirety of it, which is nice. But also there are things that you can kind of collect in here that do help you in other parts of the game, like being able to grab the dusk relics in here. At least there's like something tangible that you pull from it aside from just progressing through this section of the game. But, um, but I do like the silent realm. I like exploring the watery area of Faron woods, like Lake Floria, I think is a cool environment. I think that the squid people are cool. I mean, they're not Zoras, right? No proto Zoras. Yeah. They've got to be like pre-evolved Zoras, you know, um, the water dragon stuff is cool is cool. Like the water dragon as a character, Faron is cool. Um, and just the general environment, I think as like, there's something cool about discovering that there was a whole hidden section of an area that you previously been to that feels tonally different from that section. Yeah. 
And maybe that's just why I enjoy Lake Floria so much and and how connected it is to Farron Woods. It's like, oh, hey, here's this really interesting section of, of the map that you have not been to before. And it feels very different, but at the, si- at the same time, still connected to the previous section. So that's cool. Um, all that's fun. I really I despise being sent back to Skyview Temple in this section of the game. Yeah, there's a very good reason I devoted almost exactly two sentences to that section of the plot recap, because honestly, this feels like this feels like someone who thought that this section of game wasn't long enough and wanted they wanted to throw something else in there. It's completely like I don't mind the go get me some sacred water. What I do mind is having to go through Skyview Temple again and like find keys and kill bad guys and like solve puzzles i already did that in this exact same area it doesn't even change at all the having the water dragon scale doesn't change the way you interact with the dungeon like you have to go under the water at one point to to go uh through like a crawl space yeah and that's it like it's so and that feels like it's such so a, tedious and that feels like such a gimme too. like even if imagine how cool it would have been if you had been in Skyview Temple first temple of the game and you see an underwater passage and you know you can't swim. So it's like whatever that must just be part of scenery. Right. Right. And then you come back to it in this section of the game with the scale and you know you can swim and you're like oh crap now I can go there and it actually and it's like opens up a whole other section of the temple or something. Yeah. yeah like it, it didn't even have to be that big like just a I mean, new area. Anything other than having to unlock a key door that you've already unlocked. Like yeah it's just so and obnoxious. If the, and if they were going to do it this way then I would uh, honestly I don't even mind having to fight the Stalthos dudes in the final no, room. No. Like, that's fun enough. Yeah. But just like let me go straight to it. Don't make me like screw around with the Mogmas trying to find a hidden key and doing all that. Also, how did the Mogma get there? Did he just like hoof it over from Elden Volcano? Like, I don't know. I need to actually go and look at the skybox. Makes sense. I need to go look at the skybox in Faron Woods and see like uh, this kind of came up when uh, when we were talking to Mike about the geography it's very weird and like it seems like it should be further apart than it is because when you're in the sky they seem very close together but i think i think maybe on the ground too they are closer together than we're kind of thinking that they are so i think you can see elden volcano from Faron woods which is weird because you have the volcano and then literally like less than let's call it i don't know less than 10 miles away is like this lush forest but in fairness that happens in every zelda game that even happens uh, that actually in, is so true that actually yeah. even happens in breath of the wild like that's uh, accurate like, it, it's still it's jarring like when you're sure, when but. you're chilling in in the lost woods in breath of the wild you're a hop skip and a jump away from <laughs> i mean volcano. that's that's true so like yeah yeah Okay, so maybe it's not as weird as we're thinking. Uh, maybe I'm just thinking too literally about it. But like, regardless, the magma feels very out of place. The the whole find the key to unlock the door that you've already unlocked. I despise it. Um, like fighting the enemies is whatever. Just like leave all the doors open. Like let me just go fight some trash mobs, fight the three Stalfos enemies. Get the sacred water and hoof it back. Like, okay. fine. So, uh, <laughs> very fetch questy, but at least it's not a drag. I've already kind of got. I, I've gotten ahead of this a little bit already, but I think maybe what's actually a good thing to do is let's take a step back. 
Let's talk about what we liked about this section of the game. Oh, that's fair. And then let's maybe go back with some criticisms because the, like Skyview Temple is a very individual criticism, but I have some kind of like overarching just game design uh, like, I don't know, the mentality of how the back half of this game is arranged criticisms. For sure. Uh, that I do want to get to. But let's yeah. talk about what we liked. Matt, what did you like about this section of the game? I like that they they use this this item to open up sections of, a, of an area that you spent has spent quite a lot of time exploring. Like, you finally get to figure out, because to your earlier point about, like, what if there was an underwater you know thing and when you were going through Sky, skyview temple the first time well that's exactly what the path under the great tree is right yeah, yeah. like from the first time you're in Farron woods you're running around around the great tree and you're like oh can i get under there there's i see there's a like a tunnel can i get under there and you can't well now you can and that opens up the inside of the great tree which then leads to the outside you can go all the way around and you can get some goddess cubes and you can jump off of it and you can see lots of cool shit there's there's a lot of cool things that open up with the uh, water dragon scale, even just in the immediate Farron Woods, and that's not even including the entirely brand new section of the map, which is like Floria, um, which I also like well enough um, from a gameplay perspective, from an aesthetics perspective, uh, Lake Floria and the water caverns and the water dragon's chamber are beautiful and gorgeously rendered and very well done. Um, well, that and it it does not overstay its welcome either. I totally agree. Like, totally agree. Yeah, it, it's like just short enough, and it's also just long enough. And like you get in, you do some cool things. It really introduces you to the mechanics of swimming, to the um, the dash thing that you can do in the water, um, the breathing mechanics. Uh, like all of it well, is and that's was all, pretty well done. And that's all training for the dungeon, exactly. Which is great. Yeah, it teaches you how to jump out of the water and over obstacles, and it teaches you how to use the dash attack. Uh, against enemies and to break barriers and to to progress through new areas so uh it's very well done um th this is the first introduction of the dragons um which becomes obviously a major part in the game i um, which i love the introduction of the dragons as yep. the guardians i think that is a very cool thing i love the the dragons musical theme mm -hmm. yeah absolutely um i think it is taking in a piece of crucial um japanese lore with just how powerful and magical and, and special dragons are within that culture and it's very true to that and they are just magnificent guardians and servants of the goddess and like i think that they are integral obviously they're integral to the story but they're interesting characters it just it's so interesting because it makes me wonder what obviously there's no direct connection drawn but you can't help but wonder if there's any canonical connection between Theron, din and leneru the dragons in skyward sword and the dragons that are in breath of the wild yeah, yeah. uh farosh dinral and nadra i mean you would have to think they're descendants right like you would have to i mean sure and even if you don't have to i think it's fun to oh i mean i yes absolutely head yeah. cannon love head cannon it's the best <laughs> kind of cannon Woot. <laughs> uh yeah so i like this section of the game and i do want to i want to talk even a little bit more about the silent realm just uh, echoing all of your points it's gorgeous it's fun it's a different kind of puzzle solving that you don't get anywhere else in this game where it really forces you to almost take a stealth approach to a zelda game which is kind of unusual um i i like this silent realm 
Um, I like I, I like how they took something very unique, made it crucial to the story, but they didn't make it like. I think the Silent Realm also does not overstay its welcome in this section. To, to me, the Silent Realms are a smart way of how to reuse map geometry. Like if you feel like you need to add some length yeah. to your game and you want to reuse spaces that you already have modeled and all that. Yeah. Then this is this the, is a good example. Yes, of that. because because you're not just you're not just adding in challenges that make you re-clear that area in the same way that you did before. You're recontextualizing yeah. the area. Silent Realm, good reuse of space. Uh, Skyview Temple Part 2, bad reuse bad of space. Re- <laughs> okay, all right. We're talking about bad stuff again. But, I know. Yeah. But it's just a compare and contrast, right? So uh, overall, though, I do very much like the section of the game. <coughs> I think it's kind of funny that the first time we see these mythical, mad, majestic, powerful dragons is Pharon sitting in basically what amounts to a medicinal bathtub at like a quarter of her normal size. Hey, Matt, do you want to do you think we could maybe like sell Pharon's bathwater? Ah, uh, dang it. Yes. Uh, I mean, someone probably could. I, I couldn't do it. But yeah, I think I think uh, at least the squid things would definitely go for it. Okay, they seem to okay. be very invested without getting into the actual dungeon map. Do you feel like the dungeon is I, I know what you're going to say. I, yeah, it's obvious. But like, do you feel like the dungeon is a good section this of this dungeon? So good. This dungeon is amazing. <laughs> this awesome. dungeon is amazing. Yeah, it's really good. OK. Uh, yeah, I generally agree with all of that. I think that there's a lot of fun stuff happening here. And sure, it's easy to look at it cynically and say, you know, why couldn't we have had new areas instead of just doing stuff in areas we've already been to? And I think that that is 50% of valid criticism. And the other 50% is, well, if you're going to do it, like I said, at least you're doing something interesting with it in, in, um, in the form of the silent realm. Let's get into the stuff that we didn't like about this section, which obviously is the other 50% of reusing game spaces. We've already said Skyview Temple having to go back there is not great. But what I want to talk about more is the overarching game design mentality that's happening in the back half of Skyward Sword. And it started last week um, in the backtracking of certain areas. And it continues this week, and spoiler alert, it continues for the remainder of the game. Like, the flow of the remainder of the game is you go to the sky, you get a new song, you do a silent realm, and then there's a backtracking section in every subsequent area of the game that you go to. Except for next week, when you you actually do visit a completely new area of the Lanayru Desert, which is cool, and I mean you could always you could of course argue that Lake Floria is a completely new area of Farren Woods, but it feels like it feels more like a subsection than a completely new area, and it's also a much shorter quote unquote new area. It is, but I guess what I'm getting at is like in the in next week's section, the sand you spend ship and the all majority that. of the time not in the. Same area. But then also, once we get into the second Elden Volcano section, then we've got yet another needless padding, the whole deal where you lose your items. Uh, Yeah, so like, anyway, so we'll get into that later. But there's a thing that kind of happens in the back half of this game where you cannot escape the feeling that they were really trying to add some some gameplay time, honestly, and make this a 10 hours longer game 
than it probably needed to be. Otherwise, and, and Max put this very well actually in his Twitter thread when he was replaying Skyward Sword for the first time. He said, "This is the only Zelda game I feel like could have benefited from cutting some content." And like honestly, I I agree. In in very very specific circumstances, I agree. Like Skyview Temple Part Two, cut that out. It's just not. It does. It does not need to be there. No, it doesn't. Um, and this just comes back to, it's the next gen of Zelda games. The lows are just like, oh, they're just they're just they're just there. And again, we're clarifying that is the Star Trek next generation of Zelda games. Correct, correct. Not, when we, when we, we say next gen on a gaming podcast. That makes it sound like we're talking about like PlayStation 5 and Xbox. No, no, no. no. Ne- next generation like, of Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Star yeah. Trek to the next generation. So, yeah, which, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, honestly, though, I would have to say that's the only section of this game that I didn't like. Of this game? or this No, 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 this chunk. section. Okay. The section of the game. Sorry. Okay, this yeah. The only <laughs> section of this game that I really didn't like is... Um, revisiting Skyview Temple. Every other part of this section of game is very good. Very, very good. Yeah, I agree. I really do. I really do. Well, like we're we're back on track after last week's kind of filler chunk where we're cooking with gas for the most part and most everything that happens here is very interesting. So, um, and you know what? I do have to say, fighting the three Stalfos at the same time is just a very good showcase of Skyward Sword's combat system. It's fun. And like you have to move around a lot and you're utilizing the directional controls in a way that you have to like account for three different enemies at the same time. And like that section of Skyview Temple is a lot of fun to me personally. I enjoyed it. Sure. Yeah. Um, I may I maintain that if that is all you had had to do, like you go back into Skyview Temple, all your previous doors are open and you know where you've got to go. It's the spring. You're heading back through and all you've got to do is just fight those three Salfos in the room where you previously fought Girahim. If that was it, then this would have been fine. For sure. And it would have been five and a half minutes long instead of however long it took you to find the key and all that other stuff, right? Yeah. yeah like, definitely. fine. It's fine filler. Cool. All right. Uh, Matt, let's go. I mean, do you have anything else you want to say about like in, in our takes just in general before we get into the dungeon? Farron is very snarky. Farron is snarky. A lot of she's snarky. But again, this is like a continuing theme in this game, which is that the characters have got a lot of personality. For all sure. Of, all of them do. And also they all of almost all of them besides Zelda view Link in a very negative light. And it is a part of his quest to not only grow, but through that growth, change the way that these characters view him to where they see him as the true chosen hero of the goddess. Yeah, I think that this Link, this version of Link is very much an underdog Yeah, in a way that others are not like other links kind of start fully formed as as a badass you know yeah i mean even ocarina of time link he's different from the other kokiri children but in like a kind of badass way right like as soon as he leaves kokiri forest it's very obvious that he's special and like most people will see that in some way shape or form yeah absolutely Absolutely. So I think, you know, that's that's a that's a really good call out. And you're right. Uh, just the way that uh, Faron treats Link is another example of that. And it's it's good. I like it. Yep. It's good. Sure. It's good shading on the. Yep. You know, on the characters of this world. And it's appreciated. Let's get into part three, which is the dungeon map where we analyze this week's dungeon from mechanics to music and more. Obviously, the dungeon this week is the ancient cistern. Woot, woot. And look, this is the one that I think we 
it's certainly the one that people reference the most in terms of like, you know, common wisdom says that Skyward Sword has got great dungeons, whatever, whatever, whatever other issues it might have. It's got great dungeons. And yep. I think people usually cite the ancient cistern as the pinnacle of dungeon design in this game. And I think I need to get on the other side of the sand ship before I'm ready to say that I necessarily feel the same way. But it's definitely impressive. Like it's fun. It's great. It has a very distinct identity to it aesthetically musically the puzzle solving is very distinct um it, you know what i think is interesting about this dungeon map do tell the ancient cistern is this game's water temple and i think that this, <laughs> but it's the best water temple ever <laughs> that's the thing i think that this is this is bar none the best water temple in a zelda game water temples generally speaking suck but this okay, water, well, uh, well, in my in my personal opinion, okay, in my personal opinion, I generally dislike water temples in Zelda games. This one is a lot of fun, and like in in a lot of similar ways to Ocarina of Times water temple, where you're messing with the instead of the water level of the whole temple, you're messing with the statue in the middle. You're going back and forth between the basement level and the surface level. You're doing a lot of influencing in one area or the other that allows you to traverse new areas of uh, the other and back and forth and back and forth. And but they do it. in a I don't know why I like this so much more. It's hard for me to put a finger on it, but I just do. It's just so much better. And it's fun, and the ambiance of the temple from the very get-go is just, like, grand. And it's beautiful, and it's kind of mystical, and it's like, ooh, this place is kind of neat. This It makes me want to explore the temple from the very moment I set foot inside of it. And, like, I want to get in the water and swim all around, and I want to see everything there is to see before I start actually progressing through the temple. Yeah, and especially the, the difference in aesthetics between the the top area and the bottom area like you know the, the dichotomy the, the dichotomy is strong the upper area is golden and sunlight is everywhere and it's got like this this wonderful like clean trickling water sort of feel lily pads everywhere it just is like i would go hang out there you know for sure no it's it's a place where you can tell like people went there the the statue of the meditating monk in the middle it feels very appropriate you're like yeah this is a peaceful place where I could just hang out and listen to the waterfalls and just kind of float with the lily pads. And yeah, no, it's great. And then you go into the bottom section and immediately, like it's not even just the visuals. The audio has this cool cue where it's like the musical theme kind of does a boom. And then you're in like nega world. You know? Hell? Yeah. I mean, basically. So I I, I want to br- go ahead and bring this up now because a lot of people might know this already, but uh, the ancient cistern the entire thing is based on an old short story called The Spider's Thread. And it's a short story from Buddhist tradition. And in it, uh, so I'm actually, I'm, I'm looking, <laughs> credit to Zelda.fandom.com, the Zelda wiki, because I like I know this story, but I'm just going to read it straight from here because it, it puts it more succinctly than I could. So in The Spider's Thread, Lord Buddha is walking through paradise and gazes into a pond. Past the lotus petals, veiling the water's surface, seeing into the depths of hell. There, in the darkness, he sees a criminal, Kandata, who once intentionally avoided stepping on a spider. Uh, 
Moved to try and reclaim this man, the Buddha lowers a spider thread into hell, and Kandata starts climbing to paradise. However, other sinners begin climbing as well, and Kandata, worried that the thread will not support the weight, claims that it is his and his alone. At this point, the thread breaks because Kandata was worried only about his own salvation and not his fellow sinners. Furthermore, the architecture of this dungeon greatly reflects that of the Far Eastern temples. The statue head in the main room, the blessed idol key, and even Kalaktos bear a striking resemblance to Buddha. So, obviously, there's some narrative layers on in the spider's thread that are not represented in this dungeon. But I do think— We're not saving anybody from hell. We are not, but also, it is really cool because it's clearly— the inspiration. Oh, absolutely. For the, for this dungeon. And I love that kind of extra layer of thinking going into dungeon design in Zelda games. Like it's so much cooler when it's not just, okay, we've got a theme and we need to stick to this theme and find some mechanics around it. That's fun. That can be done really well. But it's so fun when there's just like that little extra mile uh, of packing meaning into the design of this dungeon like it just shows you the intentionality that the that the design team uh was employing when they were designing this whole section it's really cool and i totally did not know any of that so that's all new information for me and super super cool and like as soon as you said lowers the spider's thread down so he can climb up it like it's very obviously and intentionally of course uh is when link climbs the rope uh, out of the bone pit and you're like dude that is brilliant that's brilliant narrative telling and that's brilliant to bring real world real world examples uh of you know massively influential religion and cultural icons into a video game that westerners generally speaking may not know and like that's really cool to me personally. I think it's also fun because it means that we're basically getting this game's Water Temple and Shadow Temple all rolled I was going to say that. Dang it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, that was one of my points and you stole it. Sorry. Yes. Um, the the Shadow Temple section of this of this dungeon in particular um, is really, really awesome. Um, it's it's less dark than I would say Ocarina of Time Shadow Temple because Ocarina of Time Shadow Temple is all about people and peop- the evil of people, right? Whereas this feels more like just the evil of the world. Um, so I guess it's a little less dark in my opinion from that direction. Um, but yeah, we're getting a Shadow Temple and a Water Temple all at the same time. Yeah, and and, and that is definitely awesome. Um, I want to talk a little bit about – let's get into some of the encounters and main mechanics of this dungeon. Yeah. Let's start off with the main dungeon item, which is the The whip. The whip. The whip. Uh, As Stewie Griffin would say. It is, which I'm going to go ahead and say is not my favorite item in this game. It's meh. Yeah. It's, It's cool for this dungeon. I think the way that it functions within the dungeon is really fun. Outside of the dungeon, I, it's like whatever. It, it serves really no use in combat whatsoever. Um, it's really fun to kind of use it to to influence the world around you. But past that, it's like, meh. It's yeah, fine. no, I, I agree. I agree. I mean, really, it falls into that category of dungeon items that I was talking about a few weeks ago where it's nice to have good puzzles revolving around it in the dungeon, but it irks me when it's not usable in a, in a major way outside of that. Yeah. Like for everything that I like about the beetle is kind of also what I don't like about the whip. 
I that makes sense. I, I do. Yeah, I, that does make total sense. Like you use the beetle in almost every dungeon in the game, and I don't, I can't think of another dungeon other than um, the the temple of the Triforce in Skyloft where you have to use the whip. I mean, I'm sure you do. I, like I know intellectually that you do, but I can't think of an encounter off the top of my head where the whip is important. Yeah, and I'm sure like. As we go through the rest of the game, there are going to be instances where we do have to use it and we're going to be like, oh, OK, there it is. You know, whatever. Yeah, cool. But, but it's always, I think, going to be puzzles that are are created specifically around using the whip to solve, whereas the beetle is just a much more versatile item. Yeah. Like it, you can do so much more with it. And there are cool things you can do with the whip in this dungeon behind just like swinging from uh, swinging from hooks or flipping switches. I mean, like grabbing the key off the Bokoblin. That yeah. was super cool. Yeah, it was. And I actually didn't remember that that's what you had to do there. And so I was briefly confused for a second. And I was kind of like, uh, I don't have the key for this. And I can't even think where I would have gotten the key for this. And then you see the Bokoblin and you notice that he's got a shimmer on his belt. And it's yep. like, okay, I got it. I got it now. So that's all cool and fun. I think that like, look, it's far from the worst item in a Zelda game. You know, it really is very far from the worst item in a Zelda game, but it just is not generally useful for combat or puzzle solving in a way that is that that does not require those puzzles to be specifically tailored towards it. So um, what I will say about this dungeon, though, is that it does have some really cool use of water mechanics, uh, you know, having to especially uh, know how to. Like once you realize that you have to jump from great heights to turn over lily pads and then use those as platforms, I think that that's a really cool physics based mechanic. Yep. And I I appreciated that a lot. Um, And then, you know, I also uh, I also quite like the general density of enemies that are in this dungeon. (coughs) Yeah, I mean, especially when you get to the zombie book goblins, they're really fun. And this actually finally trained me how to use the final blow on the stick and button layout. I finally figured it out and got it down. So yeah, I'm so happy. (laughs) I got there in the end. Um, I definitely had a few very frustrating moments. The first time that you, the first time that you get down to that bottom floor and the zombie bacoblins mob you, I, I knew that I had to use the final blow to kill them, but there's so many. And I was like trying, I was like fighting against that mechanic, trying to proc it while other dudes are trying to hit me. So what I ended up doing in that first section is just like, did you bomb them? No, I just I just kept knocking them into the poison water pit. Oh, that works too, yeah. Where they insta die. And I was like, that's such like a cheap, lazy way to clear these dudes. But seriously, this final yeah. blow is such it, like, it's a pain. It's a pain. And it's yeah, not it's any like I'm again, we're halfway through the game now. And, and it's still a pain. <laughs> it's still a pain. Like I cannot reliably proc it. Even now that I feel a little bit better about it than I used to, I would say that I'm still only getting it to work about seventy percent of the time. I always get the cadence down because you have to go down, up, down. I always go up, down, up. And that's how you get the that's how you get the uh, vertical spin move instead. Right. right. And so like I find myself constantly doing the vertical spin move instead of the final blow. And it's very frustrating. Yeah, no, it is. It is. But a- anywho, got through this. I don't think it really comes up as a necessary mechanic again until like the demise fight. And yeah. I'll be able to deal with it there. Yeah, but. I'll probably just play that with the motion controls because I can very reliably get the final blow with motion controls. So. Right, eh. right, right. It's still, it's still, I think the one major failing of the button layout is the final blow. So. Agreed. And I don't, I don't foresee it getting really any better. <laughs> no. So there's one thing that 
I didn't remember was in this dungeon that I actually really like is the um the lock on the the one lock on the one door that you have to hit with your sword in the directional pattern to get it to unlock. Oh yeah. That was actually kind of fun. Like, I don't know why, but I was like, it was, it's got fun audio cues and you have to figure out the pattern for yourself. And I was like, "Ah, this is is kind of fun. Well, there was, it was one of those great Zelda dungeon moments where you come across a thing that you have not found the solution to yet. And it's not like you're missing a key. You know, you can clear it if you just hit it enough times and get lucky. But I always like, once I recognize that that's the kind of thing I'm up against, I like going back and trying to find the solution to it the way that the game intended for me to. Yeah. And the way you do that is you go back to the main room and there are symbols that are scattered around the uh, the statue. No way. Yeah, there are. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, there's a little uh, pedestal right, uh, right at the base of the statue and it says, hey, uh, the secret order of the temple can be found in this room. Here's the order that you need to find them in. And so the symbols are on the back of the statue's neck, at the base of the statue underwater, and then there's a symbol on the back of each of his hands that close when you get the rupee. Yeah, so uh, that was another thing I really liked. I didn't know that that's how you found the symbol. Uh, I was just like, oh, cool, silver rupee. That's 100 rupees. <laughs> and just like trying to get him for a while. I thought it was just a fun mechanic that like rewarded you when you got it where it's hand closed and you didn't have to worry about it like trying to catch you anymore. Yeah, once, the, once those hands are closed, you can find the symbols and that pedestal tells you in what order they go in order to unlock that thing. And, oh, and that's it, fun. Yeah, it is. I do wish that, I mean, obviously, once you know the order, it, there's no challenge anymore. Right. But I do wish that that lock had been repeated on more doors or Agreed. Used, used in another way throughout the temple. Yeah. Top, bottom, left, then right is is the order, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it, I, I like that little mini puzzle, I guess we'll call it. It was fun. Or even if, like, there had been another room or two that had those locks, but the combination was, was different, uni- was and, unique. Yeah, and you had to, like, find the symbols. And that reminds me of, like, the Skyrim dungeons, which I know you haven't played, where you have to find, you have to move the um, the stone. We have to rotate the stones to show the eagle, the serpent, or the whale. And in, in Skyrim temples, you can always find the uh, copies of the stones with the correct symbol showing various places, but you kind of have to move around. It's kind of like that. Super fun for me personally. So. You know what? A, a really cool example of a similar puzzle in a recent Zelda game is in Breath of the Wild. There are in Breath of the Wild there are two shrines that are on each of the the tips of the dueling peaks. Yep, and they contain like each shrine contains the solution to a puzzle that's in the other one. Oh, the to, stars. Yeah. 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 I remember and, that. And so you've got to go to one shrine and I find the Google solution it. to the opposite. <laughs> really? Dude, that's I, no fun. I mean, I Google it. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, what you're supposed to do is get the solution from the one shrine, then go to the next shrine, solve it, and then vice versa. And And I think that this could have been a cool version of that had it been extended more than just that one door. But like that point alone just brings us back to what we've been saying multiple times throughout this season is there are so many things in Skyward Sword that are more fully fleshed out within Breath of the Wild, even though they're more or less polar opposite games from a strategic direction, like obviously Breath of the Wild being the most open world of any Zelda game ever and Skyward Sword being the most linear game of any Zelda game ever. Like there, there are so many things that show up in Skyward Sword that end up in Breath of the Wild just way more fleshed out. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. I do think that this dungeon for... 
for as sprawling as it seems is a little bit linear in terms of how it funnels you from one room to the next. Like there's not a whole lot of area for you to find a room and then have to come back to it later to find a solution to it. Yeah, I think the only room that you really revisit more than once is the is the rope climbing in the um, in the the pit going back and forth to raise and lower the monk statue. And there's only one key in this dungeon. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And it's to open the the key to the center to the central chamber. Yeah. And again, I'm I'm sort of willing to forgive that just because again in this dungeon it does have it has enough variation of mechanics and also variation of atmosphere and tone to where it still feels like a full dungeon experience. But I mean, had it not had that, then yeah, I think this might've been a little bit too simplistic and linear for me to completely enjoy, but just the presentation of everything is so great that you're, you're willing to forgive it. I think, um, let's go ahead and talk about the boss because yes, because if, if I'm not willing to say right this second, that the ancient cistern is my favorite dungeon in this game, I think I'm going to go ahead and say that, Kaloktos is my favorite boss in the entire game. I don't know that I would... I mean, outside of... No, I, I can't even say that because I genuinely love the Gear of Him fights. Really? I love the Gear of Him fights. Um, all, all of them. All three. I, I very much enjoy them. Outside of Gear of Him and Demise, this is, the, this is my favorite boss fight, though. See, I kind of... I enjoy the Gear of Him fights for what they are, but every time I get to one... Like, I felt this way in Skyview Temple, and I'm going to feel this way again in the Fire Sanctuary. I find myself wishing that the temple had had an actual boss, and then the Girahim fight was, like, a separate thing. Really? Aside from – because, like, I do miss having bosses that have – A unique boss. Yeah, bosses that have unique mechanics that relate to the item that you found in the dungeon or – or the themes that are present in the dungeon or whatever. That's that's totally fair. I, I I understand that completely. I think the reason that I just so enjoy the Gear of Him fights is that I just so much enjoy the combat style of Skyward Sword and it utilizes every aspect of pure sword and shield combat uh, in a way that boss fights in Zelda games besides this one don't really do because when you think about boss fights generally speaking in the Zelda dungeon realm most of them don't rely on your sword or shield outside of use the sword to hit the eyeball or the weak spot and, yeah, and, yeah. and it revolves entirely around item usage and I love the gear of him fights because it's the opposite of that yeah, but even this one, though, like, sure, Kaloktos has a weak point that you have to exploit, but there's so much going on here. So the way that this fight works is Oh, that no, I totally agree. Like, this is a fantastic so, boss so, fight. So the first phase is that Kaloktos is stationary in the middle of the arena, and you have to use the whip to pull his arms Oh, like pull his you gotta arms rip off. And, you gotta rip and tear his limbs apart yeah you gotta rip and tear his limbs apart and then that leaves his heart vulnerable which you can stab the second phase is that he comes out of the ground he's got s- all six hands are holding swords and he chases you around and what you have to then do is dodge his attacks and once his swords are like stuck in the ground after you've dodged them you pull the arms off you grab his dropped swords and whack him with it yeah, you, you, <laughs> it's you, awesome you knock his legs out from under him with his his own gigantic swords and then you just go to town on his heart and it is so <laughs> satisfying cool. it is so <laughs> cool. awesome so 
two things here. Obviously, everyone can probably tell that I've been playing uh, Doom recently because I'm very stuck on the rip and tear. And this is very Doom where you're ripping this person's this creature's limbs off and then using his own crap to beat him to death. So metal. It's awesome. Um, But also Link has got to be like jacked like his to, his forearms have got to be so oh my incredibly God. dude his core strength just like swing that massive cleaver over and over again fast enough to like land those hits i want to i want to see link this link without a shirt on and just be like <laughs> wow he's gonna put the rock to shame man yeah it's, no it's gotta be no insane kidding. um okay you, you know one other thing that's great about the Kalaktos fight uh just one but please continue yes the soundtrack Oh, so good yeah like seriously the Kalaktos theme is one of the great boss fight soundtracks and I mean every Zelda game I, I love it when Zelda games have a specific theme for boss fights but then you go and you fight a boss and it has its own special theme I, I love that so much and the Kalaktos theme is one version of that it's so great yeah no I, I totally agree um I think also one thing that always stands out to me about Kalaktos is when you beat him and he's like doing his death throws thing and then he pauses and it's the super creepy face. And he's got the laugh at the end. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, God, it's so like it makes my spine shiver. Yeah, Ugh. he's a he's a creepy robot. No doubt about <sighs> it. Do yeah. not like. Yeah. OK, so I mean, yeah, honestly, like. I would say I'm pretty sure I even I, I would need to go back and listen and find out where I ranked Kalaktos in our overall Zelda boss fight rankings. Hold Let on, me, I can tell you. Really? I think so. You have it you have that written down? I think so. I have mine written down. I don't know if I have yours written down. Let me let me see. I know Kalaktos was in there and I think he was pretty high. One moment, please. Oh no, I only have mine. Yeah, I mean uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. Maybe I'll maybe I'll editing like that in. But yeah, uh, definitely in the canon of Zelda boss fights across the entire series. I love this fight so much. For it's, sure. It's towards the top. So great, great boss fight. Let's see, Matt, is there anything else you want to say about this dungeon before we get out of this section? Uh, no, actually, I can't. I think we covered pretty much everything it's just really really phenomenal dungeon yeah and guys please seriously like this is such a discussion point around skyward sword we would love for y'all after listening to this episode get on our social channels and just like let us know what did you think of the ancient cistern do you think that it lives up to the hype i mean do you think that it is uh, that it has earned the prestige that it has within this game because we certainly do but we're open to dissenting opinions that's for sure and we will discuss with you on social yeah as well absolutely okay let's get into part four where we talk side quests i didn't really do any i did none 
Okay, no side quests? No, I mean, I got so side quest heavy last week, I didn't do any this week. Okay, yep, neither did I. So let's just move right on into part five, which is Z-targeting, where we lock onto fascinating characters or enemies that we happen to cross. Matt, I'm going to allow you to go first, because I think we probably have the same Z-targeting, and I'm going to give you the opportunity to say yours without me stealing it. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm going to go with Farron the Dragon. Okay, yeah, that was going to be one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Farron is a sassy boss bitch um, who, you know, I appreciate her gumption. She is a dragon, so, like, you got to give her the respect that she's due and allow her to, like, not ruffle your feathers too much by just saying, like, oh, you look puny, and, like, uh, I cannot believe you're the goddess's chosen hero. Like, okay, she is, like, a 50-foot-tall dragon who literally controls the element of water and is, I think, more or less immortal. So, yeah, I mean, she has earned the right to be as snarky as she wants. Um, And I think she is a great introduction to the dragons of Skyward Sword. And she's also the dragon you have really the most interaction with outside of, you know, unless you do uh, the dragon Lanayru's boss rush. Because uh, you do really don't interact with Din hardly at all. You have like one conversation with him, maybe. But you you revisit Farron multiple times throughout the game, um, and seeing her go from a snarky, doubtful, um, overbearing, <laughs> not impressed dragon to uh, acknowledging you as the true chosen hero of the goddess later in the game is is a fun transition. Cool. I'm going to go with, I'm actually going to pick an enemy. I really enjoyed the Stalfos fight. In You've been a- doing that a lot this game. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, a lot of the enemies are just so fun. Um, I, I really enjoyed the Stalfos fight in the Ancient Cistern, which is the one where it has two phases, and the second phase is that it it pops yeah, out. Yeah, the forearm Stalfos, yeah. yeah it, it pops out two extra arms, and then... It's a lot of fun. It is. It's a lot more aggressive than the previous Stalfoses that you fought, and the way that you beat it is still the same, where you have to find its weak points depending on how it's angling its swords, but it, there's a lot less room for error with this fight. Because, and he hits hard. Yeah, he hits hard, and if you if you make a wrong move, then he takes advantage of it and swipes very quickly. This so. was this was one of the dungeons where I actually found myself actively looking for hearts because I was getting hurt a lot by the Stalfos and I got a lot of I got a bit of environmental damage as well but like specifically after that Stalfos fight I was on like a heart and a half yeah. after it and yeah. I was like actively looking for hearts for a while. So um definitely a challenging mini boss fight for sure. Yep, definitely a definitely a good one. So that's my Z targeting pick is the four-armed Stalfos. But yeah, good good picks all around. Good picks all around. Let's get into part six, which is final thoughts. We're gonna wrap up this section of the game as succinctly as we can. Uh do you want me to take this one? Yeah, go ahead. I got the plot recap. You can wrap it up for us. Cool. So I think that this section of the game is a wonderful expansion on previous areas of the game that we've been to. It introduces a new environment, Lake Floria, which is connected to Farron Woods. It's a cool environment. It's unique aesthetically. It's got a lot going for it. We meet the Water Dragon, which is a great character. And we uh, encounter our first Silent Realm, which is a fun inversion of a space that we've already to the ancient cistern of course one of the great zelda dungeons amazing in its design and its aesthetic uh and it's all capped off 
uh, with an incredible boss battle that is just too too freaking fun. It's so fun. And of course, we end this whole thing by finally being able to upgrade our goddess sword to a higher damage version, which is awesome because I was getting to a point in the game where I was a little tired of the puny first goddess sword that we have. Yeah, I, I didn't love hitting uh, blue bacoblins six times to kill them. It was yeah, a little bit frustrating. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's fun having a little extra firepower now. But yeah, cool. Cool. I think it was well done, Lyndon. Very succinct and accurate. Thank you. Thank you. This has been the Sacred Realms Rundown. We will, of course, be back next week with another installment of the Sacred Realms Rundown where we're covering another all-time great dungeon. Um, the Linnaeus Sandship. Linnaeus Sandship's going to be great. Ooh, we also get to do the fun mining cart thing. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. I love that part. Yeah, like the the ancient Linnaeus Sandship dry dock area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. So, yeah, next week's going to be another great one as well. So can't wait to get into it. Oh, my gosh. Matt, you know what? This has been a really fun one. Whew, I, I think yes. I'm excited to have Max on next week because I know that he had like he went into this dungeon with the hype in mind. And I think he came away from it with a different opinion than we Not did. Not hype. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm really interested to talk to him about that for a little bit and then also find out how he feels like the Linnea Roussan ship is – a better dungeon experience because I think he said that he does feel that it is. So, I mean, it's, it is definitely, I think just in, in my recollection of the game, a top contender for a best dungeon at the very least. Yeah. Yep. Completely agree. All right, guys, this has been a really fun one. Um, (laughs) Matt, do you have anything you want to say before we get out of here? Uh, I, I don't think I do other than just, I have really been enjoying, um, our playthrough so far of Skyward Sword. I've definitely had some more negative reactions than I thought I was going to in some sections of the game. Um, it, it, doing this, doing this style of review, uh, lends itself to forcing a, a more objective opinion on things than I'm used to when I go through games. Um, and it's been a lot of fun to to really sit down and drill into not only what is good about a game but what is not so good about a game and being able to talk about that and i'm seeing that a lot more specifically in skyward sword than i was really thinking i would so it's been a fun experience so far through the first half and i'm very excited to uh, continue on that journey and see where we go and where we end up yeah, I think our our recap and ranking episode is going to be a very interesting one. It's definitely going to be interesting. Yeah. 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 So, whew, man, we'll get there eventually, but got a lot more ground to cover before that happens. Another six weeks. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, oh, let's see. What was that again? News release. Uh, we don't have a listener mail. Nope. Okay. Just uh, close it out. All right, guys. I think that's going to do it for this week. Um, if you enjoyed today's show and you would like a little extra Sacred Realms in your life, you can head over to patreon.com slash sacredrealmspod, and you can become a patron. If you've got no rupees, it's not a problem. Five-star Apple podcast reviews are a great free way to support us. More reviews means that more people see our show. That makes us very happy Hylians. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at sacredrealmspod for updates on the podcast and for behind-the-scenes action. Sacred Realms will be back next Wednesday with our thoughts on Skyward Sword Chapter 7, which covers a return to the Linneru Desert, the Linneru Sandship Dry Dock, and then the dungeon Linneru Sandship, and of course another uh, Silent Realm as well. Absolutely. 
Yep. We'd love for you to play along with us and to share your thoughts on our social channels. Skyward Sword can be played in its original form on the Wii or Wii U, or of course you can play the remastered version on the Nintendo Switch, which is the version that we are playing and the version you should be playing too. In the meantime, may your hearts be full and may your arrows never miss. We'll catch you all next time. Sacred Realms is an independent podcast production, which is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Lyndon Willoughby. Our music comes from Zelda and Chill by Mikkel and is graciously provided to us by Mikkel and Game Chops Records. Zelda and Chill is available to stream on Spotify or to purchase directly from GameChops.com. Finally, our thanks go to Nintendo for creating such exceptional and innovative experiences. 